Hello and welcome to Dim Lights and Stiff Drinks, the dive bars of Seattle. We are a podcast that visits dive bars, historic taverns, and old drinking establishments. We are setting out to document those bars that have a seedy backstory and interesting history behind them. But best of all, we are actually recording these episodes live at the bar itself. In other words, we're not in one of our garages, surrounded by bikes, yard tools, and random boxes, recording this while huddled around some fold-out card table. Tools? <laughs> nope, we are recording live on location. For this episode, we are at the Duchess Tavern. This place has quite the interesting backstory behind it, but before we get into all that, I'd like to introduce the crew. Of course, the producer here, Bob, running the mix board. Hey now. And then to my immediate right here, Lou Dog. How you doing, Lou? I'm doing well. I'd like to also mention that awesome wave of surf music that we rode in on is none other than Satan's Pilgrims. Indeed. Northwest Finest. Nice. Indeed. <laughs> and then, of course, Jeremy. How you doing, Jeremy? Good, good. And we, we still got to decide on a nickname. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'll get back to you guys. Well, I thought you were Jay Dizzle, no? Jay Feezy. You don't like that? Jay Dizzy? Jay Dizzle? Jay Dog? Yeah. Jay Dog? Jay Dog? That'll work. Well, Jer- Sweet Lou is kind of... Sweet Lou. Sweet Lou, but you were also uh-huh. Lou Dog at one point, right? Isn't, yeah, that, yeah. isn't that a kind of a quasi-nickname? Yeah, yeah. Nickname, so. And, and let's not Lou is a Sweet Lou or a Lou Dog. Let's not forget, dog. hosting us today, Stash Panda. Ooh. The Stash Panda. That's right. Wah, wah, wah. So, yeah, we're here at the Duchess Tavern. The building the Duchess inhabits was built in 1926, with the Duchess Tavern opening here as a business in 1934, soon after the repeal of Prohibition. The tavern managed to keep a fairly low-key profile and quiet existence during its first 14 years, but that streak of good behavior came to an abrupt end in 1948 when the owner of the Duchess was arrested along with 16 other Seattle bar owners during a gambling sweep by the King County Sheriff's Department. The gambling in question was punch boards. Do you guys know what punch boards are? No, is that the, like, pimp arcade machine? Or is that like the pre, pre-pull tab, pull tab? It's like a cousin of the pull tab. So punch boards started out in the late 1800s, and originally they were actual, like, boards, small little boards with oh, shallow like holes. Oh, it's advent calendar, right? Kind of, kind of. Yeah, they had shallow holes. Or an drilled angry in them. bingo card. <laughs> an angry bingo card. There you go. Kind of an angry bingo card. But it started out as an actual board, shallow holes drilled in them, and then they put numbers or prizes and then they would cover the openings with foil or some other kind of, you know, sealant. And then the gambler would punch through and find out what numbers were below. When this story took place in the 40s, by that point, they were no longer using boards. It was more like kind of small paper trays, but it was the same idea. You would punch through these foil openings to find out what you were underneath. Now, it basically, is scratch tickets kind of takes over that, right? You don't need to punch through anything. You can just... So I don't even think punch boards are around anymore. But they were a thing back then. And let's let's bring them back. I, I know a guy at the Washington State Lottery. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. I'm down. Well, it's interesting because if you go on eBay, there's actually old punch boards you can buy, and I guess there's a collector market for for old punch boards. They look pretty cool. They're very colorful and the design on them. I'm kind of getting like prices right vibes, like the game kinda. where you punch through, and grab your thing. But I'm not sure. But that's kind of what I'm envisioning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We'll put a picture of a punch board up on the up on the ground. Yeah, yeah. So that's the story of punch boards. And so during the series of punch board raids, a total of 15 men and one woman were arrested in the sweep. The name of the woman arrested was Hattie Gruber, who happened to be the owner of the Duchess here. So she was the one woman that was arrested. Uh, other than that one incident, not a, not a lot is known about Hattie Gruber. I tried to look up more information about her, but apparently that was her 
her 15 minutes of fame. Was so the, was the sweet. early nickname of this joint Hattie's Punch? <laughs> it should have been. <laughs> Hattie's Hat. I wondered about that. Mm-hmm. Is, if there's any connection between Hattie's Hat and Hattie Gruber, I don't know. By the way, the Blue Moon Tavern was also one of the taverns popped that night during the Punchboard Sweep. Interesting. Interesting yeah. season one, episode four. Nice. As it turned out, this was all part of an even larger investigation in which it was revealed that all this gambling was allowed to happen because so many Seattle police officers were on the take. As a result, several cops lost their jobs from the Wallingford precinct, because apparently that's where most of them were stationed at the time. Uh, Since the punchboard scandal, the bar has remained fairly well-behaved with only a few minor infractions over the years. The Wallingford police, on the other hand, is still notoriously on the take. (laughs) (laughs) Or so they say. In 63, the bar lost its license for seven days because the owner was intoxicated in his own bar. That's, That's a allowed. weird rule, isn't it? Because that, that never happens these days. Yeah, as yeah, long as yeah. he's what? not driving, what's the problem? Yeah. I, don't think it's, I think it was one of those old blue laws that were on the books, and it's probably no longer enforced. Mm-hmm. But what a weird rule. Like, who cares if you own the bar and you happen to be drinking inside Well, it? you know, if you're checking IDs and they're too blurry for you to read the date, you know, it's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole right? thing? It's a whole thing. You think that's what it was? In 1979, the Duchess lost its license for another seven days because they were caught selling beer to minors. Oh, which, which for a beer... Because the ideas were too blurry. <laughs> and this is a student bar, too, Right next so to the you know. This is a college bar. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Yeah. I mean, just think how many fake IDs have been used over the years for this. So the fact that they only popped once, that's a pretty good track record, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, McLovin from San Fernando. <laughs> Organ donor from Alaska. <laughs> Now, during the early 70s, the Duchess was one of the U-District bars and taverns that Ted Bundy frequented in order to search for victims. And according to the bartender I spoke to earlier, he may have even picked up one of his victims here. I guess Uh, the detectives, part of the Ted Bundy task force, came here and was questioning, you know, the owner and stuff when all this was going on because they think he picked up one of his victims here. So kind of a dark chapter. Fun Uh, fact, my first apartment in... Seattle was in the U District, yeah. and our landlord informed us that in the unit above, Ted Bundy, yeah, lived there. Or no, one, of, one of the murders, one of the murder upstairs. victims. Oh, really? And it was like, don't tell the girls because it was me and Gus and two yeah. girls. And it was like, don't tell them; it'll freak them out. Did you guys bring a Ouija board up there or anything? Yeah, no, we should have. <laughs> Next to Bundy, probably the most shocking thing to happen at the Duchess took place in the early '80s. On July 2nd, 1984, two friends were hanging out at the bar and decided to shoot a game of pool. One of their names was Patrick Thornton. A stranger sitting next to them named Louise Guzman asked if he could join, and that meant they needed a fourth player, at which point one of the bartenders working here said, you know, I'll I'll join in, so they had four people, went to go play a game of pool. By all accounts, it was a relaxed and friendly game with no trash talk, no loud words, no arguing, nothing. Everybody, nobody took the game too seriously, and there was never any hostility between anybody. It was just a normal game of pool. It'd be like if the four of us started shooting a game of pool, you know, lots of standing around, bullshitting, and, oh, is it my turn? Okay, and, you know, it's just a friendly game of pool. Sure. Until the stabbings? Well, there's no stabbings. And there's the fifth time the bar was shut down. <laughs> uh, so they played two games with Thornton and his friend winning both games. Uh, But just like the game itself, things ended on a really mellow note. And after the game, Guzman left the bar on a bicycle and rode off into the night. The others returned to the bar for a new round of beers. Ten minutes later, Guzman returned to the bar 
and without saying a single word, raised a gun and fired one shot into Thornton's back. Oh. He then calmly walked out. At first, everyone in the bar was caught so off guard that most people initially thought it was some kind of a prank and that he had used, you know, a blank. Uh, and then, but then they saw the blood and everyone rushed to help him. The bartender called 911. The police quickly arrived and immediately began patrolling the nearby neighborhood. A few minutes later, Guzman was apprehended by one of the patrolmen after he emerged from a nearby yard. After apprehending Guzman, they returned him back to the bar and everyone there was able to confirm that, yep, yeah, he was the guy that came in and made the shot. Thornton died a day later in the hospital as a result of his injuries. It was a really puzzling murder as there was no apparent motive. Guzman was not hired drunk. This is known from toxicology reports. And the bartender even testified that he had only served Guzman one beer the entire night. He was deemed sane to go on trial. And again, there was never any disagreements over this pool game they played. None at all. So it was never. But maybe there was some money involved. No, there was no money. It was just like it was just it's like a friendly game. All the hundreds of games we played over the years with strangers in a bar, where you're just shooting and like, all right, cool. Like like the games we play, thousand dollars a hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big baller. Have you ever played for money? I never have. I have. Have you? Yeah. Did you win? No. no. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, but I did not come back with a gun. Right. Thankfully. That's the difference between you and this yeah, guy. That's, that's the difference between me and Guzman. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. I, I can lose 20 bucks and not get too pissed off. Yeah. I mean, i played hundreds of pool games over the years at different bars, but I've never played for money. Well, culture of fear, I'm never going to play a pool game with strangers <laughs> ever again. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. Uh-uh. It's shark territory. So it was never determined what exactly set Guzman off, though he was later charged with first-degree murder and sentenced to prison. Since then, the Duchess has remained headline-free and has settled into more of a cherished neighborhood college bar where UW alumni come to watch Huskies games and cheer for the purple and gold. In fact, the walls here are covered with UW photos and Husky memorabilia. So it has evolved into more of a college sports bar more than anything else. But neighborhood bar also. Neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But for a, would you call it a sports bar? Because for me, when I think of sports bar, I think of more of like a modern kind of sleek bar. Like with a bulldog. Kind of like, like the bulldog with a 50, bunch of 50 big TVs. screen TVs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, nice black, sleek, modern furniture, professionally framed sports posters. That's what I think the, of a the sports bar. nice thing about this place, though, is, is it's dripping with the history, right? So even, yes. if, they, yes. even, even if you consider it sportsy or a sports bar, sports bar it doesn't adjacent. have like the new sports bar flavor. No. It's like a bajillion big, big screen TVs exactly. all gleaming, chrome and shit. It's like, no, exactly. this place has got some history. It's old. It's kind of grimy and grungy. It's super, super dive bar, thank God. Yep. And, you know, there's a shit ton of, you know, uh, sports posters and sports memorabilia, which is pretty damn cool. Some of these old posters. No, uh, some of the old pictures posters are, are amazing, yeah. Awesome. Interesting to see, though, we've also got a lot of high school pictures. Which, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and Rosemount what, High is right what behind would us. appear yeah. to be Apparently a bunch of high school kids at the bar. So uh, Maybe that's when they lost their license. That. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was, was like... That was the serving minors the <laughs> that was Roosevelt like, High football <laughs> team. Yeah, that number 27 you know, when they lost their license or something, yeah. So that's, that's pretty much the history of the Duchess. And perhaps the most popular feature here at the Duchess is its famous Beer Hunters Club, in which one must drink all of the bar's 40 beers in order to be considered for membership, which you, Jeremy, I understand are going to discuss in your segment right now what you're drinking. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we'll get into the Beer Hunters Club. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff to unpack there. And, and Jeremy's got a, a little... Kino card in front of him with the numbers 1 through 40. I prefer to refer to it as a punch card. Punch <laughs> card. Because it's kind of like gambling. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if I will be sober after I punch number 27. Mm. 
but we'll see. Yeah, so we'll see. do the taps rotate, or is it any 40? Like, do they have the same 40 beers well, they've always that, had that's, here? That's the interesting part. You know, so th- the, the cool thing about Beer Hunters Club is, like, there's lots of drinking clubs, right? There's, yeah. there's like, especially in Seattle, you've got lots of these breweries, and they have what they call their mug clubs, right? You go in, you pay a certain whatever, right. and you yeah, get a yeah. mug. Sometimes you physically get a mug. Sometimes it's a virtual mug or whatever, and they got, like, a rack where you hold your mug, and they put your name on it, and then you get, like, discounts of beers and all this kind of crap. And then there's also, like, um, places that have, you know, like, uh, uh, drinking clubs, drinking, uh, like, kind of like beer hunter types. We have, you drink so many beers, right? Right. I think I love how the Duchess simplifies it. It's a punch card. There's 40. And it's, like, <laughs> it's not specified, like, okay, number three is the Deschutes, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no. It's like, we got a bunch of beers in the cooler. You have to drink them all. You, you drink got a bunch of beers on tap. You got to drink them all. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we're just going to come in with this clicker, and it'll punch your little card yeah. or whatever. But, uh, you know, if you look at, I think we're going to get into, like, what you got, because there's, there's a, a pretty impressive selection of beers, both in the cooler, which is a good chunk of that 40 that you got to drink for the club, as well as a pretty extensive uh, tap list, a good over, over 20 beers on tap. But let's, let's start off with um, what you're drinking. So, to my right, Bob, do you want to have any, like, kind of comments on the, like, the, the mouthfeel and the, the bouquet of the, the carbonated clear beverage that you're drinking? I would say they did a pretty good job of getting all the bubbles in there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. It's, it's yeah, a great That's seltzer. not an easy thing to do, either. Yeah. No, no, no. It's a proper seltzer. Well, well packed. See. Well packed bubbles. Excellent. Excellent. I, myself, uh, I've got a Sam Adams Winter Lager, which... You guys know me. I'm not really a lager guy, but Sam Adams, kind of known for their lagers. I love winter beers. Mm-hmm. Sam Adams does a good winter lager, a little bit darker than a typical lager. I was going to say like it's a, a little darker than your typical yeah, lager. Almost yeah, almost like pushing like brown ale kind of territory mm-hmm. as a lager. So it's interesting. It's kind of spicy, like a good winter beer. So I'm, I'm liking it. But they have a, they have some other good winter beers on tap. And I think I'm going to have to go back and for second seconds or thirdsies. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Nice. How about you, Lou? What you drinking, man? I'm drinking the, uh, since we're in a football bar, and there's a Seahawks game on right above our heads. I'm drinking a Wildcat. Wildcat? Yeah, that's a play in football where you hike the ball right to the running back. You look like it's going to the quarterback. The center snaps it to the side straight to the running back. Yeah. Spice Snoqualmie Beering. It's an IPA. It's good. Snoqualmie Brewery Wildcat IPA. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. How do you, you like it? It is. And you had it before? We should say this is a special episode of Dim Lights and Stiff Drinks and that we are day drinking for the first time. Oh, we are day drinking. That's, that's, true. that's yeah. true. I can actually see daylight outside, which is kind of this is <laughs> disconcerting. Like, I'm not a typical day drinker. I usually don't day drink because if I drink a couple beers in the afternoon, I'm pretty useless the rest of the day. So I'm making well, an exception today. We've already talked about this, Brad. You're psyching yourself out. You need to call it what me and Jeremy call it, which is... Drinking. Yeah. Just drinking. <laughs> Just drinking. Yep. Just get rid of the day part. Yeah. It's okay. five o'clock somewhere. But yeah, you're right. There's probably a nap in my future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today. Right. Uh, so I'm not too adventurous. I'm just drinking Mac and Jacks. I was oh, blabbing to the bartender about Ted Bundy and I needed to make a quick choice and oh give me some Mac and Jacks. But I think I'm gonna try give yours. Me whatever Jeremy Ted drank. Yeah, right? Oh, what? Now, it was oh, funny when I was up God. there. I but, noticed... But, uh, I what? see what you did there. Uh, what? Now, I noticed one of the tap handles. I don't know if you guys noticed this. One of the tap handles up there was... It's just a Huskies, like a UW Huskies logo. Yep. No name of the beer. So I asked him about that, and apparently it's Miller Light. Oh, that makes sense. But they sense. call it their Huskies beer, so... Oh, Just okay. so you know, if you go up there and order, order a Husky, Husky beer, beer, that's what you're getting. Jock beer. Jock beer, yeah. <laughs> Jock strap beer. Jock beer. <laughs> <laughs> 
still oh, the isn't bullet. that Keystone? Isn't Keystone the I always think Coors Light the was the Coors Light? Okay. football team beer in, okay. in my high school. Yeah, they all drink Coors Light. Huh, I think we need a survey. We need some Husky we survey. Do. What about you? What was the what was your college beer? Well, interesting. You know, you said Miller Lite. I had read that historically the Husky beer here was uh, Miller High Life. Hmm. But you said the lights. So I'm like, hmm, okay, was that a typo? Was it, has it always been the light? Is it? Did they switch from the regular to the light? I really need to know the Husky beer history. Well, I think we need, to, we need to, like an episode two or three to kind of get, you know, yeah. un- unpeel that onion. Make this yeah, into a trilogy. Sure. It, it, for me, college beer was, um, was cheap. cheap. And what happened to go on sale quite often at the liquor store right around the corner from where I lived in Albuquerque was Miller Genuine Draft. Ooh, MGD. Good old R-I-P. MGD. Ooh. Yeah, MGD. MGD, yeah. Which I don't even know if they make oh, rest anymore. Oh, They've just yeah, they that for years. I don't think they make that shit anymore. Yeah. But it was great and cheap. Nice. <laughs> what about you, Bob? What was your drink of choice back in your late uh, adolescence, early 20s? You know, I would drink anything, really. Bull, Schlitz, Bull Ice, is, it reminds me of high school. And then... Uh, <laughs> wow. And then as far as college goes, going to, like, yeah, frat parties, they would just have, like, cases of Keystone Light, Keystone Ice, Keystone. Keystone. That's what ah, I remember, Keystone. too. I remember a lot of Keystones partying at the UW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine was Miller Genuine Draft also. Mm-hmm. Was it? Yeah. I did sip a lot of it MGD was, when I was It was Budweiser younger. before that. And then when that came out, for some reason, we thought that was a step up, you know? We thought it was the fancier of the domestics. Oh, see, for me, Michelob was my Ooh. when I stepped up. I stepped up my game. Fancy lad. Yeah. <laughs> the gold foil around the neck. Yeah, yeah. He's coming out to party. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gold foil? Yeah, I remember the Michelob neck had this gold foil wrapped uh-huh. around it. Like oh, yeah, to peel of off it. the stupid label to get to the... Oh, that was yeah. so fucking annoying. Yeah. 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 It's like now the hot thing with uh, specialty beers is they dip them in the, uh, the wax. Right, you get like a bomber bottle. You mean like Maker's Mark, that kind? Yeah, that kind of shit. So, but yeah, you get the bombers of like these, you know, specialty limited edition barrel age whatever, and it's got that wax crap huh. that's all dipped on the on the top of the bottle, covering the cap. Annoying as fuck. Yeah, that's just like, more work for you to get to oh the beer. Oh my god, it takes like an hour to get that shit <laughs> right. off of there just to get to the cap. Hopefully, you, know, you like, don't cut your hand into pieces trying like, to use a fuck. knife. Yeah, I don't even want to drink it anymore. Yeah, well, like, well, I do, but. <laughs> You know, it, it, quick interesting fact about what's on tap here at the Dutch. It's, again, almost, well, actually over 20 taps, which is pretty unusual for a dive bar. Not so unusual for a Seattle bar. We talked about this in some previous episodes. The diviest of the dive bars in Seattle is still going to have a pretty kick-ass beer selection. Just no exception, right? Twenty Over 20 beers on tap. A yep. couple of call-outs, though, that I thought was pretty interesting because we talked about them in a couple of other episodes here. Uh, our f- one of our favorites. Uh, Manny's and Bodie's are on here, I'm sure. Bodie Sattva, right? Like we talked from Georgetown Brewery. Uh, a, kind of a staple here in Seattle, but especially seems to be an interesting trend that a staple in dive bars is the Bodhisattva. We've, this has been the third, at least the third or fourth dive bar we've hit, had Bodhi on tap, which is great. One of my favorites, right? And I would argue to say it's on tap in all the dive bars, because Bodhi, if you drink a couple, it's known to uh, get you a little wasted. So oh, yeah. yeah it's like sure. a high yeah. yeah, it's like seven popular, and a half, something like option, that. Yeah, yeah. Good, good shit, good shit. But we also have some other kind of higher class, well, 
arguably higher class beers on tap, which is a little unusual uh, for a dive bar and even a little unusual for kind of a neighborhood or especially like a sports bar, if you want to call it that, right? One, uh, Stella Artois, kind of high end, stick your little pinky out when you're yeah. drinking it, Stella Artois. Uh, even just saying it, it kind of just the way it rolls off the Artois. tongue. Stella Artois. Artois. Yeah. yeah. And it's basically a Budweiser beer, too. It sucks, right? Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's Gunky, stinky. It's watery. Yeah. It's watery yeah. yeah. beer. With a fancy name. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and uh, right on the other side of Bodhisattva on the handle list there, Guinness. Guinness down on draft, which is always a, always a plus. Always a good thing. Would you say the holy trinity of local beers that you just find that are ubiquitous everywhere are Manny's, Bodie, and Mac and Jack? Mac and Jack. Yeah. Yeah, would, you, sure. would you agree with Very that? Super common. Although, you know, I have to say Mac and Jack's used to be like all over the damn place, but it's getting a little bit a little bit harder to find. I, I think that's why that. I picked it today. I noticed yeah. it kind of grabbed my attention. Yeah, not Mac quite. and Jack's yeah. used to definitely be in every bar because you couldn't get it in the store. And now I believe it's canned and you can get yeah. an African amber at the no, store. Another one that I used to see all over the goddamn place and you hardly see on tap anymore, uh, Widmer Hefeweizen. Ah, oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, that used to be like, everywhere. That used to be everywhere. You're hard right. Hard to find now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Good call. The Hefeweizen has kind of gone away altogether. Was it like it was almost like a novelty in the 90s. Yeah. It's, like 90s it's made thing. with wheat. And you, and you and pour lemon unfiltered. into it. Yeah, and you squeeze lemon into it. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah, good, good point. The, we've, we've come around for some pretty epic trends that have have kind of come and gone, but uh, IPAs, especially like double IPAs, extra, extra hoppy IPAs, seem to be a big swell that's kind of sticking around for a while. Seems Space be, dust on tap here. There you go. There you go. Kind of kicked out some of those, uh, some of the old timers, like the Hefeweizens. Yeah. Do you know, I noticed though, one thing we don't see a lot of, which is kind of surprising, is, well that, but is the sours. Because I thought sours were pretty hot, and I, w- yeah. I would expect yeah. to see at least one of them on, on the different taps. But I don't think we've been to a place yet that you has... you got to go to the Snooty Hipster bars yeah, at the dive on tap. That's not our people now. Yeah. 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 Not finding a lot of sours at the dive bars. <laughs> it's kind of surprising to me, though, but maybe it shouldn't be. I thought they had a big run a couple of years ago, and actually I was a big fan of the sours, because I, I like the taste. Some people think it tastes like socks. I but never, it, has, it has a low ABV. It's a great summer beer at the barbecue. I, I highly recommend I it. I never climbed on board the sours. Oh, really? Though, oh, I loved them. Yeah. Shout out to our, our friend Ryan. He's a sour beer guy. Yeah. Shout out, We Ryan. go to the festivals. That's right. Nice. And they're also like threes and fours, so you can drink, drink 20 of them and not be carted out. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. 25. Well, Lou, you uh, actually, both of both you guys, Brandon, you're talking about kind of the decor and stuff. Why don't you give us a little more detail about where we're at? Okay, we're at 55th and 29th. We're looking right at the street sign here, and... This neighborhood is called U Village. That's what I call it. You're next to the university. You're a little farther from the Blue Moon and the Ab, which are a little more hard scrabble. U Village is not hard scrabble. U Village is an outdoor mall. It's a little higher end. You know, super snooty. They yeah, super snooty. We've got a Tesla stuff. dealership. We've got a yeah. uh, restoration well, hardware, Apple store. Yeah, this, this ain't no like got shitty a, uh, urban <laughs> outdoor mall. Right. Yeah, it's got a crate and barrel and a pottery barn and a restoration uh, hardware. Mamma mia. And a pottery barn kids. And it's also the, um, <laughs> it's the mall that nobody told them there was a pandemic that's kicking retail's ass. Because I had to come down here a couple times during the pandemic, and you're like, and yeah. There's like and a like line to get in the parking lot. Yeah. It doesn't matter what time of day, what time of year. The parking lot is always packed. The parking was so bad, they added, there's three parking garages in there now. They keep adding more parking garages. And it's just full of 
Laurelhurst housewives and students. But do you remember so. when it was kind of like a crappy little strip mall? It wasn't all that. Yeah. Like Back in the, in the 90s. Day. Yeah. I think it had a grocery store and kind Shitty of restaurants, yeah. nail salon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, yeah, that is not the case now. It, no. it's uh, booming. Yeah, they, they booted all those businesses out. Yeah. You can go downtown and see how retail has been decimated by the pandemic. But not at village Yeah. Yeah, Did any of you guys ever go to Atlas, a uh, little restaurant they had there a few mm-hmm. years ago? Mm-hmm. It was a, they had a great happy hour. I remember going there. You get a, like a beer for $2, a plate of mini cheeseburgers for $2, and a tip for $2. So for 6 bucks, you're fat and happy and drunk. Yeah, you, know, you that, can't do that What anymore. replaced the Atlas was a, a, a joint that kind of tried to capitalize on that called Eureka. Okay. But what they did is um, they kind of spruced up the place a little bit and uh, triple and quadrupled all the prices. And there you go. There you go. There it is. <laughs> right on. That's how you Seattle 2022. That was something I learned in my marketing classes in college. What's the price is not set by the accounting department. Where it's not a guy saying, "We need a 16% margin on this." It's set by the marketing departments like we want to appeal to rich people so charge $1000 for it. Even doesn't matter if it costs 10 bucks mm-hmm. to make or 100 bucks to make. So, yeah. Mm. You village you Slap a Pottery Barn kids on it, and this kid's bed is five hundred dollars and not two hundred dollars. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, Lou, don't forget, we are like literally right next to a giant cemetery. That's true. So I think yep. that, that contributes to our clientele. I'm sure. Ooh. And, and that they're all going to end up there one day. <laughs> they keep. <laughs> they keep coming in here. Getting hammered. 40, 40 beer. When the zombie apocalypse happens, this is where they come get a get a drink. Yeah, and we've talked before about how a surprising number of uh, dive bars do not have pool tables nowadays, where it seemed like before it was mandatory that you have a pool table. And this this is a, seems like a great pool bar. There's mm-hmm. yeah. one table down here. If you and go down darts. the stairs, yeah, and there's, the yeah, there's like yep. three tables down there. They've got a shuffleboard table, shuffleboard. which is a ton of fun. Pretty rare, but super fun. And uh, yeah, we got one table of uh, four guys watching the Seahawks game here. It's kind of a lost year for the Seahawks. They're like, what, yeah. 4 and 12 and <laughs> hoping to beat the shittiest team in the league, the Lions, today. So, yeah. <laughs> Normally, I, when I th- heard we were filming or we were recording here at 1 on the Seahawks game, I was like, oh, this place is going to be loud and rowdy and people are going yelling every time we do something good. Mm, nope. Uh-uh. Not the case. This is yeah, a good year. Not to for this game. Not for this season. But is that because this is just after New Year's and everyone's still kind of dealing with their hangovers from New Year's Eve, or is it because of the pandemic? Or is or it both? Seattle's fair weather fans. Yeah, you're probably right. And we also didn't mention where we're at. We're in the snow. And yeah, we're Seattle, in the Seattle, it never snows here. Well, it might snow once a year, but it's actually been snow on the ground for a full week now. It's just starting to melt today. Just started to melt today. So people have been laying low. That's true, yeah. Seattle's also famous. What was that one snowfall we had in, like, uh, 2008? Where Snowpocalypse? It, it was one of the apocalypses where they found out there was two snow plows in the entire city of a million people. <laughs> so, and, and one was broken. This isn't like the East Coast where everybody with a pickup truck just throws a blade on the front that was plowing yeah, everywhere. It's yeah. like when it snows, it shuts that down. That wasn't also the one where the uh, wonderful Mayor Greg Nichols of West Seattle used one of the two to plow from his driveway in Admiral District <laughs> all the way down to the courthouse. That's, That's right. why he didn't get elected. Oh. So shout out to oh, Nichols yeah. for that move. That's hilarious. <laughs> 
hilarious. I totally forgot about that. I'd forgotten about that too. That's a move. That's a power play. <laughs> yeah. It's mayor's privilege. <laughs> sorry. Where's sorry, that Pete. plow at? Well, it's up at the hospital. Well, get it over to my house in West Seattle. I got to go downtown. <laughs> I got to go to U Village later. <laughs> Oh, you know, I just I just kind of realized that some of these stories is um, probably not good for Seattle tourism. We're talking about basically like you can't throw a stick without hitting someplace that you know somebody was murdered or you know some notorious happening you know in this crazy city. But uh, the reality is, it's just perfectly safe, perfectly safe, wonderful. You know, bring your kids. Except Don't for the serial killer part. <laughs> I was just watching that, was, that, that Anthony Bourdain sh- episode where he came to Seattle, and they spent quite a bit of time trying to investigate the whole serial serial killer thing. Like, why does this Green region River have so many Ted serial Bundy killers? Yeah, I actually, when he was in town, I got drunk with Bourdain at Shorty's down in Belltown. Did I you actually, really? Yeah, I got to like wave at him. I don't think he saw me, but I waved at him and had a beer. And yeah, he was just holding court down there. That was a huge thing. Nice. That was a big thing. Yeah, R.I.P. Yeah. Tony. Nice. Yeah. Shorty is another bar that is on the short list. Well, which is moved, which, which still, is moved, is no longer still dive exists. bar, but uh, yes. yep. But it's yep. still history. That whole I think we awesome. might have to hit it. And we, we know the we are. Are. So We're definitely going to yeah, we'll have to yeah. hit that. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll go. We'll go with the the recent history and then the ancient ancient history. There you go. Yeah. Plenty of that to unpack. Oh yeah, Pioneer Square. There's a lot of that. So, which we haven't even cracked yet. But stay tuned for episodes 13 and 27. That's right. I still like my idea of. Me and Brad were in Cowgirls, Inc. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, great one. It's not a dive bar, obviously. Love that place, though. It, it was a marketing concept from the early 2000s. But yeah. when you go in there now, kind of shitty. Yeah, Ooh. it's... They haven't done anything to it. They haven't cleaned it. They don't have the coyote ugly have girls you, uh, dancing on the bar. <laughs> no. Have you hit... They got the ball there, though. The yeah, they do have the, ball. yeah, they do have the... Have you hit, like a, uh, like, an old... Hard Rock Cafe lately. Ugh. There's one downtown. I yeah. haven't been in it in years. If you go to some of the older ones that have been around for a while, you'll probably experience that same thing. You walk in like, wow. No um, dusted or... Wow, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of a novelty bar that's... It's uh, super worn off. Ads over. <laughs> yeah. well, the novelty is worn R. long R. off. Gameworks just closed. Oh, I, I think, shit. like, maybe in the last few days. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. I read that. Yeah. It's a great place to go drink. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's kind of like the Hard Rock Cafe. It was one of those bars. They all opened in kind of the 90s. Or, like, whatever happened to Brad, Bruce, Bruce Willis's. Brad, t- tell our listeners, what is Gameworks? Gameworks, for you youngsters out there, uh, was an arcade. So there used to be a time where you'd have to go. <laughs> Brad, what's an arcade? <laughs> well... So there was a time where you'd have to go and actually plug quarters in to play video games. Oh, and see people face-to-face? But GameWorks was more of like, at the time, it was considered kind of a high-tech arcade, well, yeah, right? Yeah, like next level arcade quarters, games. you would buy a card. Yes. You'd buy like a, card. a credit card and yeah, put yeah, yeah. money on it, and you swipe it. Well, yeah. that, that was high-tech. They replaced the quarters with the card. Yeah. yeah. And they yeah. had different, different games where you could sit in and put like a, you know, almost like a roller coaster. You put a, a, a deal over your chest, and it goes up and down, and you can mm-hmm. shoot at the at the tower yeah. and kill Motion people. games and yeah. stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. They had some fun and, games and there. And lots of children's gambling. Well, I was going to say, I think 90% of their income came from kids' birthday parties, right? Yeah. That was like We had one of the twins' birthday parties. Yeah, there oh, yeah. you go. And I you're right, Jeremy. They were total. They have like Chuck E. Cheese style yeah. gambling games, and that's where they were just plugging Breaking that. In uh, the card tickets. In. Yeah, and that tickets. is gambling. Make Spitting no out the like 700 it. tickets. Yeah. You can spend twenty dollars worth of quarters to get like a to get a giant pencil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so worth it. 
Just like pull tabs. I mean, they're learning. Yeah. Just like punch cards. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the punch board, you mean. So, yeah, while we're talking about where we're at, let's talk about the jukebox for a second. We always like to talk about... Well, this is a good segue into your uh, segment. Uncle Lou, what's a jukebox? Yeah, they used to have them where you put quarters in them. <laughs> and now they're hooked up to the Internet. So Brad uh, got my hopes up and said there was going to be a Wurlitzer jukebox here. Yeah. Look it yeah. up online. Yeah. It's true. They did used to have one in like yeah. 2008. There was a local dealer in town who rented these antique Wurlitzers out to bars, mm-hmm. and they had one here. But what we got now is a touch-tone, touch-tunes jukebox. Go on the app on your Wurlitzer internet. 2.0. But what's really cool is that you can go on this and see what they what they listen to, what are the popular songs, popular bands. So we've all soaked it up here. Uh, Brad, what do you think is uh, oh, what do you gosh. think the kids and the, the regulars? Well, are this is a to? college bar, and this is probably dating myself because this is what I picture a lot of college kids listening to. But I'm picturing like I don't know, Dave Matthews. <laughs> Am I like about twenty wow. years? Yeah, past. wow. Okay, yeah. Right. You're okay. like a rapper with a Lil in front or Olivia Rodrigo or Yeah, this isn't a women's college here, man. It's gonna be Dave Matthews isn't a women's college. I bet you're gonna like Lilith Bear. Bob, what do you got? Megan the Stallion or Cardi B. See, I bet are up those there. Are good guesses for contemporary music. Maybe, uh-huh. you know, maybe uh, for nostalgia stakes some uh, Green Day. Well here's the hot songs and number one is it's the oh, it's the old school regulars, Leonard Skinner. Okay. Ooh, that smell. Okay. All right. That's All right. a dive bar song. That's a good dive bar yeah. song. You got some uh, Beck beer can. So, Another good so dive bar Dave song. So my Dave Matthews was not too out of place no. here, yeah. actually. That's right. There's a um, there's also someone that comes here that's a golden age of hip hop fan. So there's like a tribe called Quest. There's nice. Jurassic Five. Nice. There's Gorillas. We've got. The Rapture, House of Jealous Lovers, little <laughs> 2000 stuff. And then uh, more country, you've got The Highwayman, Johnny Cash. And then. That's more old school country, though. Yeah, someone here likes Outcast, someone here likes Atmosphere, Jeremy's favorite uh, Christian rap band. Absolutely. Did you have an idea to go to that show? Yes. How'd they do? Horrible. <laughs> Slug and idea. Really? That's a whole other episode. Okay. Oh my god, that was that was painful, painful show. I'm not familiar with their music. Is it is it Christian? Is it like Christian rock? Well, it sounds like conscious hip hop. A slug. Oh, it's hip hop. But if you listen closely, it's yeah. He's, so are they like the striper of of rap music? Is that kind of? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Why did you go to that? I did not know. <laughs> and then if I look at recent plays, Bob, you're right on point. Mm. It's uh, Post Malone. Uh, Doja Cat, Doja Cat, yeah. Dua Lipa, yeah, all that, um, yeah, Drew Down. Oh, Drew Down's old school West Coast. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Drew and then Down. we got some '90s stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brad's playlist: Red Hot Chili Peppers, Nirvana, Faith No More, Sublime, Incubus. Okay. All right. So, yeah. so you guys, you guys no, no, Dave what? 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 No. Well, you no guys Dave mocked Matthews? me for the Dave Matthews reference, but actually, it wasn't too too far off. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 looking, I'm looking hard to see if someone give Dave some love, but now I'm afraid not. Lots of outcasts. I do not know. think the Red Hot Chili Peppers would prefer to be associated with Dave Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> could be wrong. Could, could be wrong. Same decade. You know. <laughs> oh, and this song. Uh, King, Both still touring. King Both Harvest still dancing. Touring. That's true. Well, and Dave Matthews is a Seattle homeboy. Or he lives here. That's right. Last I heard. I, he uh, Jeremy, you'd go to the gorge every year to see him, wouldn't you? He does maintain <laughs> a home here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he has a home in Wallingford. 
Lou and I actually saw Dave Matthews back in the the day. When, was the that gorge? the '90s, early 2000s? Yeah, it was right when before was that? I moved to San Francisco. Oh, so you're admitting like it on 98. air. 98. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go, man. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's right. Uh huh. It was a wing ding too. We were all kind of looking at our watches at one yeah. point. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of like 20 minute guitar noodling. Yeah, there's a lot. When's of that. the next band come on? <laughs> yeah. Or like that. Uh, like the color instruments, they've got the fiddle and the alto sax. Yeah, yeah. And alto sax guys solos straight dangerously close to Kenny G territory. It's almost like yeah, yeah, Ooh. pretty adult contemporary. Ooh. And then they got put in yeah. an alternative kind of category because that's, that's right. where they stuck anyone who didn't fit. All right, we, we do need to pause another round, I believe. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. We're okay. back with round two. Uh, I just quick comment what I got for my second beer. Hey, Jeremy, what you drinking? Pyramid, or excuse me, not Pyramid, Widmer, Hefeweizen. Here we were just talking about it. I did not realize uh, of all the 20 taps, one of those was Widmer Hefeweizen. Voila. Got the head of here. Yeah, yeah. Not, not too popular in dive bar tap lore. So take advantage of it when I can. And, I noticed and we do need to make your, uh, a correction, I understand. So I was saying that the Husky beer tap was Miller Lite. It's actually Miller High Life, right? Is that what you found out? It's not, it's not any light crap. No, no. It, it's, it's the, the High Life. It's the High Life. That's right. High Life. Always has been, always will be. The champagne yeah. of beers. In the fact, champagne of beers. Beer. So I just wanted to make sure could, make that correction. I could be wrong, but I think the owner is sitting at the bar and corrected me when I said it was Miller Light. He's like, no, no, High Life. Okay. But I don't know. I'll have to come back and confirm. You got up there and got in his face, and you were like, what's that shit? What are you serving? Miller High Light? And he punched me and said, it's like Miller High Life, you asshole. <laughs> so, yeah. Tell out of my bar. While we're talking about music, we also see on here that some of the kids are listening to Get Back, which is probably in their heads now because the Rosetta Stone, the Lost Ark of Music just dropped in December, right? Rosetta Stone? Is that, is that the word? Get Back. Is that, is that an Outcast song? Yeah, yeah, it yeah, is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Eight hours of hanging out with the Beatles watching them make an album. Ah, the documentary Get Back. Yeah. Yes. Did on you guys watch Disney, that right? One? Yeah, it's on Disney. Because Disney, Disney, Disney basically bought, like, lock, stock, and barrel well, of everything Beatles. They pretty much Beatles. own everything at yeah, this point. everything. Yeah. Everything. You can't even, we can't even, we can't even say Beatles on yeah. there. <laughs> they probably own this bar. But Yeah, it's so awesome. Like, you're thinking, like, God, I would love to see this for so many albums, just eight hours of them that making it. That show was a marathon. That was a marathon. Did you guys marathon. watch it in one stretch? Because I had to do no. it in pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did it in like six. Yeah, it's about yeah. how I'd be I did like it an too. hour, hour and a half. Yeah, that's a shit ton of content of those guys just sitting around. Yeah, here's take ten of uh, Get Back. Oh my God, it's fascinating to see them crafting music. That that to me that was the value of that show. Yeah. That, like them, like actually coming up with songs together. Like all, like you're seeing it happen in real time almost. Right. That was very very cool. Yeah. On the other hand, them just like bullshit back and forth and, and arguing about like who should be lead for blah 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 was like oh my god I don't need another fourteen hours of this. There, there could have been some editing in my opinion. Yeah. I, I don't know. I thought it was all gold. I'm just such you a huge it? Beatles fan. I yeah. I, I want to see the eighteen hour uh, extended documentary that he's talking about. No, you want to see the stuff that, got, that ended up on the cutting room floor there? Which uh, I think you, there's a lot. Think might, 
might be in there, Jeremy. You had well, an interesting observation. That's, that's the kind of, to me, that was the kind of cool thing about that documentary is it's, there's a lot of content, right? And you're just seeing lots and lots of stuff. And it feels like it's like just a live recording of them. And it's just like raw. And it's like, oh, it's just like you know, set up a camera and record these guys doing their thing for, you know, 14 hours or whatever. But it's not. It's very carefully edited. And you can tell if you pay really, really close attention, they cut a lot of shit out. And we know they were uh, all like major into drugs at that time. Oh you didn't my see God. anybody smoking marijuana. You didn't no. see. They were well, very, John very would careful. have been doing his heroin in the bathroom or something. So you're not going to see that. Was he doing heroin at that time? I thought that was yes. later. No, that's. And some of those stories that came out, you know, afterwards were like, yep. oh, Lennon was just out of it during the Let It Be sessions. That's why it's all McCartney songs. He, he didn't seem just, too out of it, though. He no, seemed pretty. But did you notice in week one? He wore the same clothes every single day. Was that when he was wearing a fur coat? <laughs> no, that, he had on a purple T-shirt and a black vest. Oh, okay. And and the and the fur coat. Yoko was dressed see, like, pretty nice, but uh... each day the hair got more and more stringier. Yeah. You could see he hadn't showered in a week, and he was a little uh, not as engaged. And then in week two, I think mm-hmm. he cleaned up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Cleaned up a little bit. Took a shower, <laughs> and he was way more lively in the second week. Yeah. Was it just me, or did? Paul come across, especially in like the first part, it's kind of an asshole. Like he was kind of yeah. a tyrant. Little, little, he reminded me of uh, Lars Ulrich. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I do know. That's a good comparison, actually. Yeah. Now, well, it seemed like he mellowed English, out. In, a, in an English way. In, in an English way. way. In yeah. a very polite very English way. That's right. That's, right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But I've always been more of a Paul fan than, than John when it comes to the Beatles. I always thought I kind of liked his songs more, but after watching this, I was like, he was kind of an asshole. At least. I kind of, see, I saw it differently. That was the myth afterwards that like, oh, everyone's just so sick of Paul who's taken over the band. But when you saw it, Paul was on a roll and he had all these songs. John had two songs. That's true. He had Across the Universe and, uh, what was it? Uh, don't let me down. Yeah. And there was that one part where he's like, hey, "You got any more songs?" And he's like looking up, going, "No, I don't have any more songs." And so Paul, I think, had to carry the load. And there was that one point where he goes, "You know, it's been this way for the last two records. I don't want to be the manager. You know, I want you guys to step up." But then George is trying to step up, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah your shitty songs aren't going to see the light of day." But his songs were awesome. <laughs> like, Fuck you guys. <laughs> like, what was the song he did? Uh, I, me, mine. Was that the name of it? And I love that song. Like yeah, that, that's that was, and he brought in all things song. must pass. Yep. Yeah, Paul, it. remember there was that one part before the concert where they were like, "Okay, let's see the list of songs we got," and he he's pretending to not even know the name. He's like, yeah. "Okay, we got come together, let it be, uh, dig a pony, uh, that one happiness," and Lennon's like, "Whoa, happiness! Did you guys do a song without <laughs> me?" And George's like, "No, it's all things must pass." Like, yeah, whatever. That's not going to see the light of day. <laughs> was that the part but where you, he just basically stood up and said, "All right, I'm out of the band," and just. Walked out. Yeah, no, that was before that. But yeah, he uh, it ended up being the title track of his yeah solo album. Yeah, and they which is they, why they really glossed the over the whole uh, Yoko Ono kind of wedge conflict. Kind of, they really glossed over that, and I think that that really shows up in the editing too. I'm sure there was lots of shit and discussions and and stuff going on with Yoko that they just stripped all that shit out. Yeah, the, yeah. the word is that like she broke up the band because she was so nosy, but all I saw was she was like bored as hell. I don't super think chill. Yeah, to be super there. chill. And, and, and that could be the fact of the matter too, but I, like I said, I think they, I think the stuff was carefully and strategically edited out to not make people look bad. Well, but they yeah. did include her singing, so I don't know if they quite <laughs> edited like like you said. Oh God, yes. Oh, that was that was gold. That was but, gold. Yeah, from what I understand, it was mostly George that just didn't want her there. 
Remember there was that, when he first left the band, they said they all go to his house and they had a meeting. Yep, and it, says it did, did not, not go, go well. well. <laughs> and if, uh, That's an understatement. If Derek Taylor's to believe, who was their publicity manager, um, afterwards, that first meeting was mostly that. It was George saying, Yoko needs to get the fuck out. And uh, John was saying, I want her there. And Paul saying, yeah, if John wants her there. Who cares? Who cares? Well, as three Beatles fans, that was a, it, was, it was a cool series to watch. And um, yeah, it was kind of a cool way to end the, the year. Yeah, so we want to knock this on the head? Let's knock this on the head. So, all right, gentlemen, happy new year to you guys, to many more episodes. We got some, some great episodes upcoming in the planning stages right now. We Thank look you. forward to uh, recording more. And where are we going to be at this Thursday? This Thursday, so our next recording is going to be at the East Lake Zoo, which we're really looking forward to. And then we oh, have, yeah. we've got some classic, other classic choice time. places too lined up. So yeah, stay want, tuned. Want to give a shout out to everyone listening. Thanks for everyone listening and signing up to Instagram and following us on social. All right, you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time. All right. Happy New Year. Thanks, everybody. Adios.